Playoffs, playoffs, turn up, playoffs. Cinco, cuatro, tres, dos, uno. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Cool Zone Pod, sponsored by Maldonado Sports. Be sure to follow us, like, and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and Twitter, of course, at the Cool Zone Pod. Be sure to follow our other friendly podcasts, such as the Maldonado Pod and Fixin' to Talk Sports, hosted by Ryan Brown. He is going to be recording a new podcast tonight with special guest Michael Ayula. Of course, today being Monday, per usual, March 8th, 2021. Coming off All-Star Weekend, and that is going to be the first thing we talk about. I'm your host, Nick Brown. Alongside me tonight, as usual, my co-host, Jonathan Sullivan. Jonathan, how are we feeling tonight, bud? Doing well. All right, so like I mentioned, coming off All-Star Weekend, uh, right away, the thing I'm just going to ask you, any thoughts about the All-Star game? Anything strike you? Anything no- you noticed right off the bat? Um, it hurts when one of the captains doesn't play uh, his team ability lower significantly and you saw that in the game because it, it really wasn't all that close but it was a typical all-star game I thought the half court shots were a nice uh, little thing I feel like I feel like there's a few half court shots every game but I feel like last night was the first one I can remember where like there were a lot of half court shots and a lot of them were hitting mm-hmm. um, that's just the I way the league I would going. like to see much more of that those type of shots than what I saw from the game's MVP, which I know you'll have a take on, which was just no one plays defense, so I'm seven feet tall and I can dunk. Like no one, no one cares that you can. That's an understatement. Everyone knows you can dunk. So I'd I much rather like the shots than just a dribble, dribble dunk like I saw from a lot of players last night. All right, well, let's at least talk about um, everything else before we get to the final event uh, being the All-Star Game, of course. Skills Challenge, you know, most of these events were filled with players that were competing in the All-Star Game just to kind of limit the amount of players that they were bringing to Atlanta. The only One of the, one of the only exceptions aside from the dunk contest being Robert Covington, giving him a little love for going to an HBCU in the area. I believe it was Tennessee State. Um, we mentioned this, I think, last week when we announced he was going to be one of the participants in this in this challenge. Uh, Covington did not win. DeMontis Sabonis, uh, keeping the trends with the big men winning this challenge going, taking down Nikola Vucevic. Uh, Sabonis was really going for some bank shots in this challenge, especially in that final round. But nonetheless, nice to see a former OKC legend take the skills challenge. And the three-point contest was an interesting one. Mike Conley having himself quite the event. Jalen Brown not showing up at all for the Celtics, pretty much as expected. Uh, Jason Tatum with a great first round and then a terrible second round. We thought he was fixed, and once again, we realized he is still broken. Uh, But luckily, we have the COVID card to use to blame all of his shooting woes for. So Steph Curry put on a dazzling performance and just beat Mike Conley by one point to take home his second three-point contest championship. The last one being in 2015, and of course 2016, the next year, Clay Thompson winning that one. Splash Brothers go back-to-back there. And then the dunk contest being at halftime of the All-Star game. 
This one featured Obi Toppin of the New York Knicks and Fernie Simons of the Portland Trailblazers and Cassius Stanley of the Indiana Pacers. A lot of people feeling that Cassius Stanley got snubbed and thinking that he had the best dunk of the entire event. Hard to argue with his between the legs, I believe it might have been uh, between the legs reverse windmill, I don't know, something like that. It was a really good dunk, and they gave him a 44 and then gave Simons and uh, Toppin much more love for, you you know, I think Toppin dribbled between his legs and did a reverse dunk, which was nice. And then Simons jumped up like 12 feet and picked up a ball off a mini nerf hoop that was stuck to the boards. Like, these were nice dunks in the first uh, the first three dunks of the round. But, I mean, I think Stanley just lost his chances in the second round when he just couldn't hit his first dunk and he had to go to plan B. Um, in the end, and Fernie Simons won this one. This was kind of a dud. Um I know they're using the dunk contest to kind of highlight younger talent in the league, but uh, I really think that they got to go back to some of like you know the better creative dunkers in the league. You know, we talk about Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine a lot as one of the best dunk contests that we've seen probably in the modern era. And I can remember jo- you know guys like John Wall and Victor Oladipo really in that one weird year with the weird rules that didn't make any sense. They still kind of went out and had a really fun dunk contest, putting together some great dunks. And, of course, you can't forget about Dwight Howard, the Superman stuff, and Blake Griffin jumping over the very front hood of a car. I feel like things have just kind of dulled out, and I'm not trying to blame their, you know, uh, their priority of trying to get young talent in the spotlight. Uh, I just wish, you know, some of the more dunks had a little more thought into it. They just haven't been hitting uh, the knot as well as in recent years, in my opinion. I don't think you give a hoot about the dunk contest, do you? Yeah, I think the dunk contest, uh, I've always never really fell in love with the dunk contest. I've always thought that in-game dunks will forever be more impressive than anything that can be done in a dunk contest. And this is a take that I heard on the podcast, part of my take today, their way to fix the dunk contest, which I will give them a shout out and say that I would agree with it. They said that they think like all the dunks, like they've already been done. Like the great dunks, like you can't, it's like hard to do a dunk that like hasn't been done before in the dunk contest. So they would propose like there's stipulations, like who can dunk from the furthest point on the court or who can dunk on the highest rim or who can jump over the highest object and create a dunk rather than, you know, um, leave it up to the players, create some guidelines, and then, you know, players will decide whether they want to enter based on that rather than if they just think that they can make a cool dunk that people have, you know, seen before. Like, I mean, how many times am I going to see people jump over someone on their team? <laughs> I feel like that happens every year. It really does. And I thought the same thing when Obi Tobin did it last night. It's it's When they did it with Taco the year before, I thought that was really cool because, like, Taco is, like, extraordinarily tall. Uh, but I do... I I do um I do agree with that in the sense that you kind of you really do see it every year and it's not always with somebody like Taco it's just somebody who happens to be kind of tall. Um but yeah. I actually like all the suggestions uh shout out Barcel Sports and part of my take but uh I like all the suggestions. I think that would make it kind of cool. It gives me a combine kind of feel like a draft combine feel. Um but nonetheless now we can get to the main brunt of the All-Star game. You mentioned these half court shots. It was a great way to end the first half. You know, they went out with a real bang, no pun intended, and I, I loved it. I was into it at the end of the half. 
Um, you know, there are times in the All-Star game, because they don't play defense, that they could get kind of dull. Some guys hit layups, uh, and some people are just taking straight-up shots. It's not, like, wicked exciting or anything. But what has always gotten me interested in the past was seeing, like, cool in-game dunks and, like, alley-oops and, like, creative things that these, like, amazing athletes can do in this, the game of basketball. You know, Blake Griffin was somebody who was really fun to watch when he did play in a couple All-Star games because he was such a good dunker, in, uh, among other things, at the time. And, you know, last night, it just felt like we didn't get too many. And, and let's just get right into the Giannis. Uh, that guy put me to sleep. I mean, 16 is 16. He's the first player ever to go 100% from the field. Well, boo-fucking-who. The guy stood under the rim the whole night and just dunked. Congratulations. You, you literally said earlier, congratulations. You're tall. You can dunk. That's literally what he did. He, he hit two step-back three-point jumpers or something off the backboard, which, yuck, definitely didn't call bank on that one. Hated every second of having to watch Giannis on the court. The guy's a fraud, okay? Like, he's a statistical warrior like Russell Westbrook that's never going to win shit. That's tape. I will say, when it comes to Giannis, this isn't really an all-star game, but if you watch, if you watch Bucks late game, if they have a, sh- <clears throat> if they need a shot, like a shot, if they need someone to drive, Giannis late game will just drive the hoop. If they need a shot late game, they'll go to Middleton or Drew Holiday. They'll never go to Giannis because his, sh- his shot just isn't, it's not consistent or even good. You can't be the number one on your team and not be the guy taking the shot down the stretch. You can't. LeBron, he couldn't win when he was shying away from shots and going terrible in the fourth quarter. Even Curry was shying away and not shooting the ball well in the late game for the Warriors, and they weren't winning. But those guys, when they decided to be the guy and they started hitting their shots and taking the shots late in games, then they start winning. It's crazy. But Giannis just doesn't have the ability. He's one of the most disgusting jumpers in the game because he didn't come to the league as a shooter. You know, now he's been in the league a few years and still looks disgusting. I just, I just don't like his style of basketball. I remember when him and Harden were kind of like subtweeting each other and Harden was like, you know, I actually have skill. You know, I, I'm not just tall and running dunk. You know, I actually got to creative, creatively find more ways to score. I was so on James Harden's side. That actually got me fired up when he was saying those things and subtweeting him. But uh, other than that, of course, Giannis won the MVP. I was rooting for my guy Dame Lillard as my MVP pick last night and a little... Do a little gambling, of course. The only thing to keep me a little more interested in this All-Star game. But yeah, Team LeBron just destroying Team Durant. Uh, There just didn't seem to be a chance. And that was the other thing. The game wasn't really that close. LeBron won every quarter and the entire game. So they got over a million dollars donated to LeBron's charity. I believe it was like the Thurgood Marshall organization. So a great cause to get a lot of money to go to. And of course, they, they didn't want... Kevin Durant's charity to feel bad so they tossed them a cool half mil so that was really nice to see it's not like the NBA doesn't have that kind of money to throw around and donate to all the great causes that they could have so good stuff to see from the NBA's end at least on that on that end so with that being said All-Star Weekend just wrapped up we're pretty much halfway through the season so with that being said let's go in and check out where we stand in the standings in each conference um, let's start with the Eastern Conference. You've got the 76ers still standing tall atop the Eastern Conference, but the Brooklyn Nets are only a half game behind. We had, of course, Milwaukee go on a little skid, 
but they seemed to figure it out right before the end of the break. And another team that figured it out right before the All-Star break was the Celtics, who have now won four games in a row, six of their last ten. They're a big home team, 12-5 at home, 7-12 away. Uh, but they've won, obviously, uh, some good games that we'll get to later on in the episode going into the All-Star break. The Knicks, who were in fourth in sole possession of fourth, sit just outside the five spot. you got a lot of teams within, like, two, two-and-a-half games. Uh, it looks like about six or seven teams that are really close to that four spot. So right now, it really looks like a three-horse race for the top seed in the East. Uh, you know, we kind of told you the beginning of the season – that the Celtics probably would be in that race. Uh, but right now, they're really not in the spot that a lot of us thought they would be at this point of the season. Uh, the Miami Heat obviously starting off tough. Now they're kind of back into things. They've won some games. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They're playing much better basketball with Jimmy Buckets back on the court. And, you know, over in the Western Conference, the Jazz have been the big surprise this year, 27-9, firmly in first place. But my guys, the Phoenix Suns, my first place, my top seed pick prediction at the beginning of the year on our very first episode, they sit just two and a half games back of the Utah Jazz, 24-11. and 11. They've won eight of their last two, a four-game winning streak going into the break. Uh, CP3's got these guys going in the Western Conference, of course, followed by the Lakers and Clippers, and then Portland, Denver, San Antonio, and Dallas getting into that eight spot. And the Golden State Warriors just on the outside looking in with the Grizzlies. So, um, at this point, what are your initial thoughts looking at each of the conferences? And what do you expect to see from some teams around the league in the second half? Alright, I'm looking at the Western Conference right now. The Suns are definitely a surprise. I think they'll probably fall off. I think both LA teams will jump them. And probably Denver too. I think Utah. I think Utah will stay. I don't think they'll stay at the one seed, but they'll stay within the top three. So one of the LA teams with, uh, well, the both LA teams with Utah will be in the top three. Utah will be the two or the three seed. But seven San Antonio, eight Dallas sounds about right. Golden State right there sounds about right. The Suns just really the big surprise. I think if you were to take the Suns out and then push everyone up one spot, I think it wouldn't like you'd be like, okay, this I'm not really surprised by this, uh, you know. And the bottom feeders, Houston, poor Nick, the OKC Thunder fan, um, top four. OKC is a top four projected, uh, protected Houston pick and. It's just Houston is doing their best to make sure they get a top four pick because they've <laughs> lost 13 straight. The they've been awful. streak in the NBA. Yeah. They are just, they're horrific. I mean, there's, there really doesn't seem like the will to win on that team from any of their players. And John Wall is just, you know, he put together a couple really good games right before the All-Star break, but it didn't help them at all. They still and lost. They're only going to get worse because they're going to be sellers at the deadline. They're trying to intentionally tank, so... They're going to get rid of pieces like Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker, most likely. So Yeah, that, they, yeah they're going to get rid of a lot. They, I, I've seen a lot of rumors on social media of the older veteran guys like Gordon and Tucker and even Oladipo getting looks at the deadline from lots of teams. I think I saw that the Warriors were interested in Oladipo. A handful of teams in P.J. Tucker and even 
seems like Charlotte being interested in Eric Gordon or something like that. So, as you know, the trade deadline gets closer. Think, uh, things could get wild this year, and that's why I love the NBA trade the trade deadline. I think it's something that both of us can agree on. We love uh, hopping on Twitter and clicking refresh for several hours of that day and watching a lot of big deals go down because this is when teams make that push and that's when we want our Boston Celtics to make that push. It's going to be an interesting day they, for us. Uh, they hold the longest streak in the NBA without making an in-season trade. You're so, kidding. No, I'm not. The last time they made a trade was in 2014 or 2015 for Isaiah Thomas from the Suns. That's, that's the last a, time they made an in-season trade. And that's longer than any other team. Yep. That's wild. That's actually wild. So... They've got some. They've got some work to do to please the fans in the Boston area, including the two of us sitting here tonight. All right, we got a couple headlines to get to. Not too too many. Um, let's check in with the NBA MVP vote. We did this a week or two ago. Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic are top of this poll from NBA.com. If you had to give the MVP out right now, who are you, who are you giving it to? I'm giving it to Embiid. Because he's been the best player on the team that is the one seed in the Eastern Conference, which is huge. Um, People don't forget, uh, when Russell Westbrook won the MVP for OKC, they were like the seventh seed a couple years ago. That was like the first player, I believe, in like the last 20 years when he wanted to not be on one of the top two teams in the players' respective conference. So it goes out to the best player, normally on the best team, and... I think there's some voter fatigue, especially if it's LeBron and the Lakers as the one seed, or Durant and the Nets. I don't think they're they have too many mouths to feed. So I would I would agree. Looking at this tweet, uh, you can't see it, but Embiid is number one on this ladder. I would agree with that as we stand right now. Yeah. So of course, going from three to ten would be LeBron, Lillard, Doncic, Curry, Giannis, James Harden, Kawhi, and Donovan Mitchell. So you mentioned the the top team in the league kind of being a, the highest chance for a player on their team to win the MVP. That is the Utah Jazz right now, but you also have to kind of meet a certain standard as like a superstar and an overall caliber top talent in the league statistically. And Donovan Mitchell is having a good season, like a really decent season, uh, but not enough that the top team in the East, uh, like who Joel Embiid plays for with his stats. It's honestly just a statistical game at that point when you talk about each top team in the conference. And right now, statistically, Joel Embiid is kind of blowing Donovan Mitchell out of the Everyone water. knows Joel Embiid is a better player. Than yeah, I, I think that's pretty well agreed upon. You look at this entire list and everybody knows that you know Donovan Mitchell's in 10th. There are probably players after 10 that are definitely better players than Donovan Mitchell. But obviously, the voters over at NBA.com just giving the top team in the leagues a little bit of love. Uh, something I didn't like to see. I was not a fan of Mike Conley making the All-Star game uh, to replace Devin Booker. Uh, I felt like that was just kind of a pity vote, but nonetheless. Uh, Another thing to discuss, Blake Griffin officially has signed with the Brooklyn Nets. That happening a few days ago. Uh, They say that he is going to play some small ball center for them. Uh, What do you think about this? Uh, Do you think Blake Griffin makes a big impact for the Brooklyn Nets? I don't know how much he has left in the tank. I was looking at his stats the other day. He's only two years removed from averaging 24-7-5 for the, the Pistons in his first full season there. But he's had some injury concerns. I saw him play against the Celtics a few times. Really, really slow. Can't 
can't really stay with anyone to defend a lick. But it doesn't really surprise me that he signed with Brooklyn. This is this is what happens in the NBA. These guys get bought out and they go to contenders. Andre Drummond probably gonna get bought out, and go to the Lakers. Yeah, seems all but a foregone conclusion. They're just gonna take a full seventeen more days to do it right at the last minute. So I would have liked Blake Griffin coming from a Celtics fan. I would like Blake Griffin on the team, but I think he he definitely helps uh, Brooklyn like with size and stuff like that. And if he has anything left in the tank then it could really help them because I think he fits in well with uh, the big three that they have there. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Blake Griffin will be in a position to make some impactful plays. Uh, I just don't think on a broad scheme of things that he will do a whole heck of a lot given kind of the deterioration of his body over the past few years. About a week ago, Shaq went on uh, to talk about the criticizing of current players that he is kind of been accustomed to doing as of late. He says, quote, When Kareem Abdul-Jabbar gave me constructive criticism, I took it, I listened, and I brought my game to another level. These guys now are putting pops. So basically what Shaq is getting at here is that a lot of players currently in the NBA are not a huge fan of Shaq kind of calling them out and saying how he feels about their games, especially if he feels they're not great players. And we kind of saw LeBron take a little dig, not at Shaq, but the Jazz, but this kind of overall idea of the guys who have now retired and are just on TV talking about the game, talking about the current players of the league, and kind of let their opinions be known. Shaq kind of saying that guys are a little too soft now, that they're not taking the criticism and using it to motivate themselves and are instead kind of whining about it to reporters and whoever will listen do you think there's any truth to what Shaq is saying? Are some people in the league, you know, too soft? I think it's generally a softer league than obviously the 80s and 90s. But would you say that there are people in the league that are too soft, putting pops, to I, quote Shaq? I would definitely say that the league is softer than it was. But I really can't blame people, like, for not taking Shaq's criticism of them. All you have to do is Shaq's a funny guy and he's funny on TNT. But this dude is the definition of a casual. He really, he, honestly, he basically, like, embarrasses himself every time he gets on air. Well, him and Barkley, too. By criticizing players for, without clearly watching the game. Like, he thought Nikola Jokic was from Russia, he's from Serbia. Like, <laughs> clearly these guys, it's they're good, casuals. It's good TV. Yeah. But, but they like, don't know what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, they really don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. I can't blame people for not, like seeing Shaq say something about them and like getting like like I'm I'm not going to do that because it's very obvious that Shaq and Charles Barkley I think they watch the game that their network covers and maybe they look at a few box scores they're not watching the NBA 24/7 every single night I think that's pretty obvious Yeah I've seen a lot of love for TNT's other like I don't want to say B team, but their second crew that they bring in when they bring in Dwayne Wade and Candace Parker. I think yeah. when you Tuesday watch them, TNT. yeah, Tuesday TNT crew, they those two seem to watch the game more. They're a little bit younger. They kind of are more of a modern analyst since you know uh, they're done playing, so they seem to watch the game a little more than kind of these older guys like Shaq and Barkley. And I don't really have a problem with Ernie and Kenny Smith either. I think Kenny's fine. I don't think he says anything too outlandish. Uh, but I do think that's a honest trend that these older guys who have been out of the league for a while don't really pay as close of attention 
to the games as others and the more recent players that have maybe just left the game or who are maybe still in the game. And the last thing we have here is a little prompt, a little uh, kind of thing I found online. Who do you think is the most loyal player in the NBA right now? It's, a, it's kind of a tough question, but uh, given that guys generally seem to move around from team to team, uh, who do you think is the most loyal player in the NBA that you could think of on the spot? Steph Curry, and I really don't think it's that close. Mm. He's the player, uh, I believe, I, I sent, this was a stat a while ago, but I remember sending it um, in our group chat. I think Steph Curry is the only player drafted in the last 10 years to still be on the team that drafted him without changing teams. So, for that reason, I mean, Lillard, people have been okay, talking about Lillard. stole my like, shit, dude. You, that you can't just take one yeah, player. But people are saying he's you can't loyal, just but, like, I, I think Steph is uh, the most loyal player in the NBA just because he's been in Golden State for so long. And it does help that they were a legitimate dynasty legit like greatest team I've I think I'll ever see in my whole life when they had Durant those first couple seasons but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go with Steph well you really ruined uh my entire response by name dropping Lillard because I mean I'm even looking at this list of players when I was making the my team USA roster and literally every single player on this list practically has played for more than one team, you know, aside from somebody like Devin Booker and who's, you know, Spoilers. younger in the league. Huh? Spoilers. Oh, no, that that's just a list. I'm oh, not okay. telling you whether he's on the roster or not. Okay. Um, I think when it comes down to aside from Lillard and Steph, I really think some of the only con- the conversation really comes to, like, Bradley Beal or, like, Kyle Lowry. These are two guys who have kind of been, you know, Lowry with the Raptors and Beal with the Wizards. Uh, I would almost say probably Beal because he's been there in yeah. some really tough spots Lowry and stayed even, there. Lowry didn't even start in Toronto either. Right, so. but he just feels like he's been there right. for ages. Um, interesting conversation because I think in other sports like hockey, you see a lot of guys play for the same team like Ovechkin, Crosby, Bergeron. You know, they are, and even Charf was with the Bruins forever. You know, they play for, like, one team for almost their entire careers. And we saw Paul Pierce play for the Celtics um, for his entire career. I think we can have a different conversation when we're a little more prepared about who is the most loyal player in the NBA history, like, of all time. Um, Don't want to put either of us on the spot for that conversation right now. But since I kind of name-dropped their Team USA rosters, I think it's a good time to get right into that. So, we told you about, I would want to say a month or so ago on the podcast, um, when some of the news about the uh, Tokyo Olympics in the summer starting in July, I believe the 23rd is the first game, um, we told you we were going to come back probably around this time when it was more of a slower week and give you our predictions for what this Team USA roster will be. Now, keep in mind... This is not necessarily just a list of the top players in the league that qualify. We were each able, to our own discretion, decide whether we think certain players will or will not play based off of fatigue and injury, playoff runs, obviously going into fatigue, and all that such. So, we pretty much each split this up, 12 guys per roster. We got five guards, four forwards, and three centers. That way we have pretty much the same exact roster, so if we have any differences... We can go right to it. 
So how would you like to do this? Do you want to just go through a name, or do you want to just say the first player you roster? Do you want to go back and forth, or what? Do you, what would you like to do yeah, here? Um, let's start with guards. Yeah. And I'll mention um, my guy, and if you have him, you'll say same. Okay. And then we'll eventually go until we get to players that we don't have. All right. Let's start with the guards. You can go first. Give me one of the. Give me one of your the names. First on the first guard I have on my list is uh, Stephen Curry. Steph Curry. Yeah, I think that's pretty agreed upon. I think uh, Curry being in the position with the Warriors, one of the things that I looked for a lot was, you know, is this a team going to make a big playoff run? Are they hurt? You know, have they been? Have they played before? Are they, you know, willing to kind of play more, just to play in the Olympics even if they had a long playoff run so I I think Curry the Warriors are not a you know in a position to make a big run I think if if any time for him to play is going to be good it's probably now and let me preface my list by saying that I personally don't think the season uh, a long run is going to have as big of an impact as you do Okay. I think that I might have players here that you're going to say, well, I would have had him, but I think his team's going to make a deep run, so I kept him off my list. But Yeah, I, I, I just think other things, like they say they want to play now, but they some of them might just want some time off. Right. So, go right ahead, All keep right. going. Next guard I have uh, is Damian Lillard. Yeah, I got Lillard too. Okay. Same bag, really, as Steph. Yeah. Uh, this is a guy that's never played before in the Olympics and I don't think his team is, you know, going to the finals or anything like that for <clears throat> the next okay. guy I have is Bradley Beal yep. for guard. Got Beal too. Okay. Now this is where I think we might have uh differences. Yep. Fourth guy I have is Kyrie Irving. So uh, this is a guy I originally I had Kyrie Irving but my my reasoning with him is, is honestly kind of funny. I just think he's just not going to feel like doing it when the time comes. You know, the Nets are a team that we do expect to probably make a good run in the playoffs. And maybe that'll have an effect. Maybe it won't, like you say. But I think if there's anybody that's just going to be like, eh, I don't feel like it. Insert SpongeBob meme. I think it's Kyrie. So I, that's why I kind of just left him off the list. Yeah, I, I actually think just the opposite. I think that Kyrie might say that he's not going to play like during the season. Really? And then if there's one thing about Kyrie is as much as he says he hates the media, he loves the attention. This is why he burns well. the sages before the game. It's why he does <laughs> Uncle Drew. He makes movies. Like, I just... This guy, the chance to make a... To, you know, have his opinion and share his thing on an international... I mean, the NBA is an international stage just by the way the league is. But on a true international, international stage in the Olympics, doesn't get more much more of an international stage than that. I just, I don't see how Kyrie says no to that. Okay. Do you have another or was that the last yeah, one? I have, yeah, I have five yards. Okay. Um, my last one is Kyrie's teammate, James Harden. Yeah, I have James Harden. Um, James Harden, aside from him getting out of Houston and kind of forcing his way out of there, I think he's a guy who usually just, you know, stays true, keeps grinding and has no problem playing more basketball. So the one guy I had instead of Kyrie, I decided to go with Donovan Mitchell. Um, a lot of the thinking with that is that he seems to be a very likable player. He's played before. Um, you know, I had some other guys I was looking into, like Lowry and CP3 and Booker. Um, I was very close between Booker and Mitchell because I don't think Booker's played. And I think 
Booker and Mitchell are really close talent-wise, uh, but I kind of just went with the experience a little more and figured, like, I guess voting-wise, it's tough to kind of factor in how the selection process would go. Um, but ultimately, I kind of just went with Mitchell here. All right. On to forwards? On to forwards. Okay. The first forward I have here is Kawhi Leonard. Yes. So this is a big one. I had him, too. I was just doing some looking into it. And uh, apparently, he just came out and said that he's, like, absolutely going to play for Popovich this summer. Um, so that was the easy first selection for me to put on my forwards as well. All right. Uh, the next four I have is my guy, Jason Tatum. I also had Tatum on this list. I was worried about the COVID stuff because he keeps – well, not I shouldn't say keeps, but he cited you know fatigue with it. Mm-hmm. So a little doubt in the back of my head kind of crept in like, oh, is he going to want some time off to work on recovering from COVID and really like, like really recovering, getting back to 100% after playing a long NBA season? Uh, but at the end of the day, I kind of felt like his work ethic, the way he plays, that he's probably going to fit, feel um, pretty pretty passionate about playing more, and especially for Team USA. So I also have him on my All list. Right. Uh, the next guy I have, I feel like this guy might be classified as like a two-guard, but he's definitely a forward in my eyes. Paul George. Okay, so I actually also have Paul George on my list, and I think we'll talk about more about that when we get to the end. And then the last forward I have is, this is where I feel like it started. There was a lot of names that you could have gone with here. I I'm went, really afraid about what you're going to say here. I went with DeMar DeRozan. Oh, God. Because that, okay, he that plays as... for the Spurs, uh, okay. Popovich. I think that that's going to help him. Are you citing I, Scandal? You think Popovich no, is going to go with DeRozan? I just think that... He, I think DeRozan's going to make it. I feel like there's always a few guys on the team that you're like, wow. I can't believe that guy made it. DeMar DeRozan, I feel like, is like... The numbers he's putting up this year are nice. All right, uh, so let's let's talk about the two the, the two big names that we obviously didn't mention. We're talking about LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Yeah. Uh, two guys who I originally had on this list, and I'm sure you did in the very beginning of the selection process on your list. Um, Durant's been really hurt this year. He's missed a lot of time, and I just feel like at the end of the day... He's probably going to opt to really just focus on, especially if they don't win, and even if they do win the championship, I think he's probably going to have his sights set on the next season and getting himself ready to yeah. go, especially with fans probably going to be back in full yeah. capacity. He's a guy that's already won gold, which helps his cause. Yep. And yeah, I don't, I really don't see him playing this summer. And then LeBron, I mean, he's 36 years old. It, it kind of se- LeBron seemed like an easy candidate for just wanting some time. He's a guy who didn't even want to play in the All-Star game. You know, he just wanted more time to spend with his family. He seemed like an easy candidate. So you had DeMar DeRozan, which I was afraid you were going to say some bum like Draymond Green. Um, I went with Jimmy Butler here. Um, I had a couple other names. DeRozan was one of them. Uh, I even sneakily thought maybe Tobias Harris or Brandon Ingram would get a look here. Um, But I think Jimmy Butler just... Uh, almost as more, I think that his boost is kind of the presence he brings. He brings a very grit process. I think he's very liked well around the league. So I thought that he would be a pretty, not easy, but uh, it would make a, make a lot of sense to select him to this team. So with that being said, we've only had two differences so far in our rosters. So let's go to centers where I'm sure we might have just one. Uh, this one should be interesting. Go ahead. 
my first center I went with is Bam Adebayo. Yeah, I think that's very easy. Very easy first selection. All right. Um, the next guy I went with is Anthony Davis. So that makes sense, but again, I think he's another guy like KD that has been struggling with injuries and may very well opt out to just get himself right. I mean, maybe it depends on how they finish this year. I think he's a fringe guy right now, just based off of how he progresses health-wise and whatnot. And then the last guy I went with, this might come as a surprise to people, I went with Miles Turner. So I also have Miles Turner on my list. I don't think this is that big of a surprise. If you look at all these names, let me just run through these names. This is some of the names on the uh, the pool of players, right? LaMarcus Aldridge, Andre Drummond, Montres Harrell, Dwight Howard, Brooke Lopez, Kevin Love, JaVale McGee, uh, Miles or Mason Plumley. I forgot which one I wrote down, to be honest. None of those names really spark any like interest aside from maybe, maybe Drummond and Harrell. I don't even really think Aldridge, to be honest. I think Miles Turner is, I don't want to say like light years, but I think he's a lot better than a lot of the names on this list. So I did not have Anthony Davis. I actually went with Andre Drummond. I think he's a guy in a position to, I mean, if they off, like, offer him the spot, why wouldn't he take it? You know, he's, he's been sitting on the sidelines now for a whole last month not doing anything. Um, so I don't think fatigue's going to have anything to do with it. And I feel like, like I said, he's a guy who should chomp at the bit to play on Team USA given the chance. So it really just comes down to Anthony Davis. Can I ask you a question? Sure. I feel like if someone's listening, they might be like, like a certain guy comes to mind that both of us didn't have. Yeah. And that's Carl Anthony Towns. I actually didn't. I didn't think of him. And I don't have him just because I just, I don't think he's going to play. Mm-hmm. And I really think that his stock around the league is falling. Really? Why? Like, he's playing some really good basketball. Yeah, game. but he's on you... an awful team. He he doesn't like win his team. He doesn't play defense. We know that. And I just, I don't know. I just, I don't think he's going to want to play because of his family stuff and the COVID and whatnot. I, I agree with that, definitely. Um, But people are going to say, like, yo, Miles Turner... Uh, Carl Anthony Towns a much better player than Miles Turner or Andre Drummond, and I, you know, I'd even take him over Bam. But I really think that Carl Anthony Towns' stock around the league is falling to the point where, like, I think he might be better than Miles Turner. But like, if you're p- making a team, I think someone like Miles Turner, a rim protecting big, especially against the smaller foreign players, yep. is more valuable than Carl uh, Anthony Towns on the international level. I agree, hundred percent. Um. What about is Zion? What about do we like? What do we? I thought about Zion, but I don't know. He's so he's only twenty years old. Like I, his time will come probably as long as he can stay healthy. Which is a big question mark. I only say that because he is an all star yeah. this year. Same with Jalen Brown. I, I just I, I thought of another guy in the guard spot. I thought Jalen Brown maybe instead of Kyrie. I just think the talent pool is is too strong. Like I if. Yeah. Some of these older guys like Kawhi or Steph Curry or Paul George, um, Anthony Davis, like you said, if Harden, these older established guys, if they withdraw, then I would put Jalen Brown on the top of that list. But from what we've heard, it sounds like a good amount of the older players are going to play this summer. Yeah, they want to play. Maybe maybe they're seeing it as like one of their last chances that they might want to. 
as they get older, they may not be interested. They kind of want to go win that gold because, I mean, you put these guys together and it's it's almost an assurity that they're mm. going to win the gold. But, um, but yeah, I can't really think of any other names that uh, we're missing out on. Uh, I think we pretty much did a good job. Uh, we had a lot of similarities. I kind of figured we'd have some similarities in this list. Um, if you, listening, feel like we missed out on some names that you feel should have made the Team USA roster, be sure to hit us up on Twitter, at the cool Zone Pod. Tell us how you really feel. We'll feature you on a show. No problems. Let's do it. All right, well, with that being said, moving on here, we could talk about our good old Boston Celtics a little bit. We don't have too much to discuss, seeing as every week we kind of come on this podcast and we shit on the same people every week. Um, but we do have to kind of start... With our favorite segment, the Aaron Neesmith box score review of the week, which, of course, we only have two box scores to report on. Team went 2-0, and too. Don't forget about this. But, yeah, so you got to think, however many minutes Aaron Neesmith played in these two big Ws is probably a good sign of things to come if they keep doing it. And if they keep doing it, maybe they'll win more basketball games. So, with that being said, it is time for our Aaron Neesmith box score review of the week. All right, so our first game we got to look at is the dub against the Los Angeles Clippers that they got, I believe, on Tuesday of the past week. Um, Aaron Smith, in a game where the Celtics scored, if I do a quick scroll and remember the box score, the total score, 117 points, beating the Clippers by 5, 117 to 112. Aaron Smith, man, our guy in a DNP coach's decision. Tough. I thought he was turning the corner. I mean, what happened here? The team started losing when he started playing. I mean, I, I'm i kind of speechless. I'm really, I'm honestly sad. I, you know, we just want our guy to get some run. Yeah. And, you, you know. Think, th- if this, you think that this segment is a joke, you're wrong. We, we here in the cool zone... We have a lot of fun, okay? But we take we take our young players seriously. We love Aaron Neesmith, and we want we just want the best shooter in the draft to be on the court so he can take his shots. We want the best for Aaron Neesmith. We don't want some stupid white man like Brad Stevens to not give our guy some run. I mean, when I see Semi Ojale playing 27 minutes... And you're telling me Neesmith can't get one? Oof. And semi I'll have you know, team high plus 11. We know how we are with our plus minus. That's yes. the most important stat in the yeah. box score. 100%. I, speechless, is all I can say. Uh, in a game just, where Jason Tatum only scored 14 points. This is just a tough, tough development for, for Neesmith. I mean, I've seen the headlines... What did Neesmith do to deserve this? I don't know. Left Luca at the end of the game. Maybe, maybe that was it. Maybe Brad's listening. Maybe he heard me. I mean, maybe I he heard can't what I blame said. Brad for listening because that Dallas game, our guy Neesmith, best shooter in draft, did play twenty-two plus minutes mm. and didn't take a shot. Not a single one. Got cardio out there, <clears throat> and. 
you more than I hold him as probably most responsible for allowing Luca to get to that spot. To take well, I mean, he just let the guy run across him. He yeah. didn't. Even, he didn't fall. You got to shuffle your feet. Got to move your feet, young so, fella. I mean, just a tough, tough development here. Hopefully, this is a disaster. I pray that he's. I hope he's in the gym right now getting up shots. But he's hey, He's the first one in, the last one out. That's play, what they said. You have to shoot. If you're the best shooter in the draft, when you play, you gotta shoot. Listen, if there's a panic button, like a big red panic button, like think of like a Staples button, but it says panic, right? Um, I am, I am running around in circles in my head, so close to smashing the panic button right now on Aaron Neesmith and his stock. This could be a career-ending DNP coach's decision. Career, I said it. Career ending. Wow, that's bold. That's that world bold. altering. Well, hopefully he can pick it up in the next game. Yeah, let's check out the next game. I'm sure he will help himself and his stock in that game. So, speaking of the next game, we have a 132 point, well, not point victory, but the Celtics scored 132 points and they beat the Toronto Raptors 132 to 125, going right into the All Star break. This was Thursday night. And I believe this was a home game. Uh, yeah, it was a home game. So they're pretty good at home. We mentioned earlier, 12-5 at home in the season. So uh, we look at some notable minutes here in the box score. I mean, Daniel Theus only played seven minutes in this game and took three shots. I don't know what happened there. Semi Ojale only played seven and a half minutes of this game, took one shot. Jeff Teague played 27 minutes, 14 points on six of seven shooting. Grant Curry... A.K.A. Grant Williams, 7 of 9 from the field. He had 17 points. That was more than Kemba, more than Titi, more than Pritchett. It was third on the team in score. And, you know, some might say that Grant Williams got greedy and stole all the minutes because, God, God damn it, Aaron Neesman, another DMP coach. is tough. Him and Taco and Carson and Javonche Green to the, in Termont Waters. And Glass, Glass man. Glass I was waiting for you Romeo to say Langford, that. Romeo Langford, who will never play. Uh, just a just a bad situation forming here with Aaron e. Smith. He's slowly closing in. I believe he's up to 18 games played and 16, 16 games. I think that's right. With DMP coaches' decisions. Yeah. He is creeping back up to... The point where he might, by this time next week, he might have more or equal to the amount of DMP coaches' decisions as he had has games played. I don't want to do this, but it might be time to have a memorial service for Aaron Neesmith's 2020-2021 season and officially cancel the season for Aaron Neesmith. I, I read on Twitter... This was a couple weeks ago. A great place to get your information, yes, by the way. Yes, and everything, no, it's true, and it's factual. Every tweet has is reviewed by Twitter yes. and is proved factual. It was a Celtic Stan account, so you know they definitely don't overvalue their talent at all. It said, quote, I believe, Everyone knows Neesmith is a shooter. Brad's just letting him get transitioned to the league. He missed the whole last season, and he... Just needs time. He'll be a consistent rotation man come the playoffs. 
I don't know if that tweet is gonna come to fruition. I I don't uh I don't think oh this is pain. This is pain. Um Man. This is a really depressing day in the cool zone. Um I I I don't know what to say to you guys right now. I n- most times I am not left speechless. And uh I I don't know what to say. I am I'm hurt. I am sitting here wondering what what to say and what to think. We need more Aaron Neesmith in in these games, man. But if the Celtics are going to keep winning without him, how do you play the man? It's just, we're going in two different directions here. It's Celtics win. Everything I love is lost. You're like you're on like the scale. And like you weigh it, and you have two halves, and it's Celtics win up, Neesmith playing time down, or Neesmith playing time up, Celtics win down. And I just, I'm really worried that we're getting towards a place where just Neesmith is going to sit to the bench like Taco Fall, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, just these guys that think he's a legit NBA rotational piece. And Glassman plays like the same position as him. They're like the same size. So what's going to happen when Glassman comes back? Because people think he's he's a stud too like Neesmith. So, there's only so many minutes that can go around. And I just, I feel our, our our man's time is not trending in the right direction. He does just need time. We know he just needs time. Oh, everybody but needs time. how much time he needs, we don't know. We could be coming to a crossroads for the future of Aaron Neesmith's whole entire career. Not just we might we might have to cancel more than just a season if 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 Brad Stevens that bastard doesn't take this seriously and it isn't careful with his very next decisions. So, with that being said, though, Celtics look good right now. I mean, Aaron Neesmith looks like dog shit because he's not on the court, but I mean, he's at the doghouse for sure. But hey, I mean, the Celtics are great. Yeah, I mean, tough game for them. I just. Good for the Celtics to win. Congrats on the Celtics to winning. But you won, but at what cost? <laughs> I think that's a perfect way to uh, to end that one. So um, let's look ahead a little bit and see what the Celtics have when they return from the All-Star break. So uh, if the schedule will ever load for me here on the monitor... We could take a look at, I believe they come back Thursday, so in a few days, the Brooklyn Nets are in town, or they're either in Brooklyn. They're in Brooklyn. Uh, Yes, thank you. They're in Brooklyn on Thursday night, and then they have two days off, so only two games to talk about before we see you next. Um, So, let's talk about it. Uh, What do you think is going to happen in um, in this game? I don't expect them to win, but I think it'll be close. I'm really interested in watching Kemba, because I hope that he'll have over a week off, so 
good things coming for you, Kemba. Let's see Neesmith. Hopefully he's got that working in the gym. He's cracking the rotation now. Probably not. Smart, is he playing? Who knows? Glassman, Glass? is he playing? Is he playing? Who, Who knows? knows? Is this team finally getting healthy? Probably not. Probably not. D- but, Daniel Theus is probably hurt. And Tatum's everyone in. wants to Big Bob to play. Uh, but Is um, Tatum fixed? He might be fixed. Who knows? I think he's still broken as I shit. I mean, yeah. He did shoot above 500, above 50% from the field, and 50% from three the game before the All-Star break. So he may be fixed. But at Brooklyn, I just I don't expect them to win. The Celtics are rested, but uh, so is Brooklyn. So is everyone in the NBA. So it's not like the Celtics are have some advantage. Kemba's playing well, though. Yeah, Kemba's playing well. And as I say, Kemba's going to have a week off, which is big for them. Houston on Sunday, if they lose Brooklyn, they better beat Houston by 30. Because Houston <laughs> is really the worst, like the worst team in the league. They might as well go play Houston and leave Neesmith or Glassman there and bring back P.J. Tucker with them because that might realistically happen in the next two weeks. So, 1-1. One 2-0, one. Oh, great. 1-1, one one, fine. 0-2, oh, we're back on the tank. Yeah. You lose to Houston, you deserve to tank. I think that's for sure. Um, Yo, Nick. Yeah, we got Ryan interrupting our damn pot. How many things do I have to mute to get this kid off our damn pot? It's ridiculous. All right, well, that's a sign to end this freaking pod. Yo, Mike. What is this coming through? What's up? What up? How are we doing? Uh, all right, whatever. We're going to drown them out because I have to produce another damn podcast. And we're going to end this wow. podcast, the better podcast. We're talking about the cool zone, okay? Uh, Follow us on Twitter, at the cool zone pod. This has been episode, I think, not uh, 10. Episode 10 of the cool zone. Give us some clicks. Give us some views. Seven episodes since the last Foxborough Files. Foxborough Files is dead. DS, play us out on that note, kid.